Well, the first episode of the new bonus podcast series, State of the Race, is available now under the Stu Does America podcast stream. Be sure to check that out. Subscribe. You get this uh, update in the mornings. It'll give you all the election news that you need to know in a little, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe 10-minute chunk or so to start off your day. You can catch us on YouTube as well, youtube.com slash America. Get all the show uh, videos and that you want. We also have some comedy stuff going up. Uh, I think there's a Chris Christie commercial you might just like at youtube.com slash America. Subscribe there and click the bell for notifications. Pat Gray is going to be here with his take on Biden's disaster of a southern border. An Alaska airline fight, uh, flight poses a, an important question. Do airplanes really need doors? I've been 50-50 on it until now. I'll give you the uh, incredible answer. We start by doing the Iowa caucus countdown. One week away from Iowa or one week away from Iowa. Panic! I don't even know what to think about this election, honestly, at this point. It's just such a weird time and a strange time. And, you know, we're going into an election period where you have headlines like this. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's hospitalization depends, uh, deepens mystery of his absence. Yeah, what, what was going on here? He had an elective surgery, and then he went into ICU and didn't really tell anybody about it, which is kind of strange, right? First of all, what was the elective surgery that would create this? Could be just, nor- I don't know, maybe he had a, uh, he's got a, teeth po- a tooth pulled and uh, this led to some ICU incident. Who knows? I guess we'll find out maybe eventually. But also, when we're in multiple foreign uh, playgrounds uh, in some level of battle, it's kind of important that your defense secretary shows up for work. And everyone knows if he's not going to, kind of a big deal. I was just on vacation for a couple of weeks uh, over the Christmas break. And I had to put a little thing at the end of my emails that said, hey, uh, thanks for reaching out. Uh, If uh, I'm not here, though, I'm not going to answer anything because I'm on vacation. Uh, Reach out to this person in case you need uh, needed something. I'm doing that and I'm a stupid podcast host. Like this guy's the defense secretary. Shouldn't he have more than the email Uh, signature at the end, an auto response. I don't know. I I thought so. But of course, the least surprising part of all this is this. Pentagon didn't inform Biden or the White House for days about Austin's hospitalization. The Pentagon did not tell President Joe Biden or any other top officials about Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's hospitalization for three days, three different U.S. officials said. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan and other senior White House aides didn't know of Austin's January 1st hospitalization until the Defense Department sent over word on January 4th, said two other uh, U.S. officials. Sullivan informed Biden shortly after uh, the DOD's Thursday notification. Is that a problem? Is that a problem for you? That the President of the United States didn't know his own Secretary of Defense was just like, in the hospital with no ability to do his job, apparently handed it off to someone who didn't really even know what was going on either. Is that a problem for you? What's going on? Now, it's funny because I talked to a few people about this story uh, as it was developing, and they all said kind of the same thing, which is, well, I'm not surprised they didn't tell Biden. He's so unaware of everything, anything anyway. Why would it even matter? But I'm surprised they didn't tell other cabinet officials. That's a problem. The fact that it's easy for people to understand that our president is so incoherent that, of course, they didn't tell him about this important national development. That is disqualifying. 
That, if that is the situation we are in, the person who is president of the United States should not be president of the United States. We should do something uh, to make sure he's no longer president of the United States. Let's say, I don't know, come January. That's just an idea. Um, now, if you don't believe me on this, watch Jill, his wife, lead him around as if he's a toddler. And they can make it sound like they're just so in love. And look, the Coldplay song just got them in the mood and they had to hold hands. But you could tell it's not real. I mean, the second she gets him to the point where he's off stage, she drops the hand like it's an, a, a, an old habit. Um, I will say uh, it's possible they were just running from the Coldplay song. That's not out of the question, but it's at least possible. Um, Biden uh, also confused around Marine One in seemingly the same way. Here he is. I don't know where to go. He's looking around. Do I go to the left? Do I walk into the engine? Do I move to the right? Where's the propeller? Is the propeller chasing me? Do I, where, who has, does anyone have baked goods? Do I get back on the, uh, on Marine One? I, I don't know. Maybe I'll come back and talk to this guy again. I'm not sure which way to go. Will you tell me which way to go? He looks toward the car. I don't know. Get in the car. He just came off the helicopter. How about getting in the car? Eventually he starts moving towards the car. This is disturbing, to say the least. Now, of course, he's not the only public official. We saw Mitch McConnell just like stop in the middle of a speech for 45 seconds. He's not the only one in Washington who's too old to be in the job that they're in. But I mean, is there not any quality control here? I mean, I feel like at least, you know, 7-Eleven at least looks at the stuff that's under the heating lamp and says, I don't know, that doesn't look like that seems like it's been there too long. We, shouldn't we have that same conversation with our leadership in Washington at this point? Seems like they've been there too long, too long under the heating lamp. We just saw Joe Biden with a really bad sunburn the other day. Somebody should make this point. But here we are, one week away from Iowa. We are only 15 days away from New Hampshire and then 302 days from the general election. This is going to happen really, really fast. And there's a lot going on. Uh, Axios has an inside the GOP candidates strategies in Iowa. And they talk about like uh, who's who and as far as who's really playing the ground game in Iowa. You kind of look at DeSantis as really being the, the, the candidate that has a real ground game in Iowa. They have supposedly tens of thousands of people already committed to go and caucus for DeSantis uh, on the uh, day of the uh, caucus in Iowa and just a week away from uh, today. Um, he's a strong organization, has the best endorsements in the state. Obviously, Trump has the big national profile and leading uh, the polls, what we have of the polls. Of course, we have nothing for over three weeks now, so who the hell knows what's going on. Nikki Haley is the one now spending money on ads more than anybody else in the state. She's flush with cash right now and is, is funneling it out to try to make an impact in Iowa. And then you have Vivek Ramaswamy, which I don't know if people know this, but he's the guy making the most appearances. He's doing the most events in Iowa. Look at these maps. Donald Donald Trump's only done uh, 24 events. Uh, Nikki Haley's done 51. Ron DeSantis, 99. Vivek Ramaswamy, 239. I think he claims to have been to every single county, but he's done at least events in 94 counties across Iowa. Does that work? It's interesting because at the beginning of this, Vivek was kind of the podcast guest. He'd come on all the shows. He'd do these you know, podcasts with big audiences to get his name out there. Now he's been doing a lot of events all around um, uh, Iowa. In fact, there's another story about Nikki Haley having an event today where no one showed up, so they canceled it. Now, look, 
These people in Iowa have been beat to death with these candidates. They've seen them all 50 times. They're, uh, they're bored out of their mind. They don't want to hear another speech about, uh, you know, what's going on in the country. They're sick of it. You know, we talked to people back in, I think it was 2016, we were doing uh, coverage and going around uh, with the Cruz campaign at the time. And people were just like, look, we like these candidates. We like some of them. We don't like others. But I will be, be honest with you. We're sick of seeing their faces on TV. We're sick of seeing their faces at our diners. We just want to eat our eggs. Okay, that's where we are with this. And I can understand that after a whole year of this going on. Now, Iowa also knows not only all of these candidates, but they know surprises. There have been big surprises that have happened in Iowa over the years. You can go back and think about it. I mean, Howard Dean, I remember we were covering the Iowa caucuses in uh, Iowa in 2004 as well. And um, I remember leading up to that, it seemed like Howard Dean had an insurmountable lead. It seemed like Howard Dean was definitely going to be the Democratic candidate. And then all of a sudden, poof, he lost. He finished, I think, in third in Iowa. And then it was the scream speech. uh, And then it was over. And we never heard from the guy again. Like, that's kind of what happens. Uh, We, of course, uh, Rick Santorum was absolutely nowhere in 2012. Came out of nowhere to win the caucus, though, to uh, they didn't actually give him the win on the night of the caucus. They said Romney won. And then they counted later and like, oh, actually, Actually, Santorum won at that point. Uh, by the time they announced that, Santorum was already basically out of the race. Uh, then you have uh, 2016. I mean, Trump was leading the polls in 2016. It looked like he was going to win relatively handily. And then Ted Cruz with a really strong ground game. Um, we knew that was we knew it was strong at the time, but it was a surprise, at least nationally, that he won that campaign. Um, what we do know about the state of the polls is really not much. If you care about polls at all, we have not had a new poll in Iowa really in over three weeks. And even those polls are not even from the highest quality pollsters. We do have a poll that we expect to come out this week from the Des Moines Register. We'll see if it occurs or not. Um, the Real Clear Politics average, which is being um, reported like it's news. Uh, and I have no problem with Real Clear Politics. I like the guys over there. Um, I like their site. Uh, I like that they average polls. Averaging polls is a better approach than just looking at one poll. Uh, you know, you get something out of it. You may not get every answer, but you get some answers out of it. How do we know Asa Hutchinson isn't winning right now? We know that largely because of the polls. So they give some value. But uh, giving me a three-week-old average, which includes polls that are four and five weeks old, It's just, frankly, not all that valuable at this time. Uh, That polling average, as it's being reported, Trump 51, DeSantis 19, Haley 16, Ramaswamy 6, Christie 3, Hutchinson 0. Now, my guess is that's the general tenor of the race, as we might understand it from a newer poll. But there could have been major movement. Has Haley moved ahead of DeSantis? Has Trump pulled away even more? Has DeSantis caught up or, you know, cut that lead in half? We just don't know at this point. Um, I will say, however... When you look at the surprises from previous uh, years, you can learn a lot from those. But you don't really have this race to compare it to. Never before have we talked about a guy in the lead who is basically an incumbent, a guy who has controlled the Republican Party for at least eight years uh, in, in a serious way. A guy who is under really under persecution by the other party in that they are trying to take him off the ballot. They are trying to get him um, thrown in prison. All of these things are going on. It's hard to compare this to Rick Santorum rising against Mitt Romney in 2012. It's really not the same thing. And even if you want to look at that, 
the timeline's important here. Yes, Santorum kind of came out of nowhere, but he didn't really come out of nowhere uh, but when he was down by 50 or 60 points. That was not the, the case. Um, you know, in, in this case, that's, what, over 30 points, um, at least if you believe the December polling on this. No one's really made up that sort of gap in Iowa in that short of a time, eh, depending. I mean, there are some you can look at individual polls and find that sometimes. But from a polling average perspective, you don't really see it. You see more like 12 or 15 points being the max gain you can do in a month. Though you wonder at this point, with all the bad press that DeSantis has received, if he cuts that down to, let's say, nine points, he loses by nine points. Is that enough? To claim a win, to say, look, everyone said I was going to lose by 30. I only won by nine. Is that enough? I mean, he does have a strong organization there. That might be possible for something, uh, someone like Ron DeSantis. Now, of course, Donald Trump has got his own stuff he's dealing with. You saw he only did 24 events in Iowa. He's not pedaled to the metal right now. He's just kind of like resting on his laurels, his reputation, his, his previous presidency and his Nash, you know, his worldwide fame really to push him over the edge in these states. Trump's courtroom and campaign calendar or collision is here. We've been talking about this for months and months and months and months. This is what it looks like. January 9th, he's supposed to be in D.C. for arguments over his claim of presidential immunity in his 2020 election interference case. This is the federal version. The next day, January 10th, he's expected to sit for a Fox News town hall in Des Moines, um, which is counter uh, counter programming a CNN debate that is going on in de, in between DeSantis and Haley. Those are the only two that are qualified for the t- this debate on January 11th. That's four days before the primary. He's going to be in New York, not Iowa, for the start of closing arguments in the civil fraud trial over his family business practices. And then January 15th, the Iowa caucuses take place. The next day, he can't really sit around and celebrate because he needs to be what's going on. He needs to deal with what's going on with the E. Jean Carroll defamation case as that started to begin. This is going to be, I mean, look, say what you want about Donald Trump. This has got to be an incredibly stressful time for the guy. He's got all the election stuff going on. He's got all the legal stuff going on all at the same time. So is, you could say this is all his own doing, uh, sure, but either way, it's going to be a very difficult thing for him to navigate. Now, Biden, on the other hand, is trying to shore up his support with black voters. He's going to South Carolina to build um, uh, black voter support. As it really has fallen off with several different minority groups when it comes to the polls. Amid declining support from black voters, President Joe Biden uh, had, had, went to... Um, Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church, which is the site of, of course, a terrible crime uh, with the white supremacist killing nine worshipers back in 2015. You remember, if you listen to the radio show, we were there. We went to the church. We met with the parishioners right after that. I don't I didn't remember seeing Joe Biden around, but I'm sure he cared from a distance. Um, he says this is a high stakes address as he kicks off the election year. And of course, he made another big high profile address over the weekend. He talked about January 6th and how uh, democracy almost died and democracy, democracy, democracy. Now, the, the, the real tragedy of January 6th for the Democrats is that in an election year, it fell on a Saturday and no one was paying attention to their big new national holiday they've been trying to create out of January 6th since it occurred. Um, you know, they want to make you think a couple of things. Number one, January 6th is something we should talk about all the time. It should be the most important thing. I don't think that's accurate, but that's what he believes, or at least is stating that he believes. And of course, they want you to think of the word insurrection around Donald Trump because it helps him get off the ballot. 
a weird thing from a guy who loves democracy so much. Kamala Harris, the VP, is going to the campaign trail as well. Um, because, well, everyone's questioning whether the Democrats ha- even have a bench. Harris has been seen as an important surrogate for President Joe Biden in reaching black, Latino, and younger voters since she made an appearance last week before a group of union members and will launch a nationwide abortion rights tour on January 22nd, the anniversary of Roe versus Wade. What a wonderful anniversary. Another one to celebrate the anniversary of, uh, what, 56 million Uh, babies being aborted. What a wonderful thing to cheer on. And I will say they have found one thing that Kamala Harris can seemingly do, which is go around and blab about race divisions and um, children that aren't alive. So congratulations. What a wonderful surrogate she is. And when they say she's a great surrogate, sure, she's a great surrogate. But if Joe Biden can't become the candidate, the last thing we want is her to actually be the president which is a weird thing to say about your vice president. Now, Democrats are also have a, has a, have a massive new um, uh, initiative, which they're trying to basically say, hey, remember 2020? Basically, Joe Biden is the most frail president we've ever had. At any point, he could catch COVID and keel over. So let's just keep him in the basement so he doesn't actually have to run a campaign. And this proved, as we talked about at the time, to be a really, really wise choice for Democrats, because the more people see of Joe Biden, the less they like him. So if you hide him in the basement and he never really comes out and talks and says anything, maybe you'll win. That paid off for them in 2020. They would love to do that again in 2024. And now Democrats are questioning whether Biden should agree to debate Trump. Why put him on stage? What if he loses? Just hide. The more you hide, the better chance we have. Now, of course, this might sound a little strange because the Democrats are basically trying to make their campaign about how much they love democracy, with the exception of the debates that lead up to the elections, And the primaries, of course, we don't want any of our opposition to be on the ballot at all. And, of course, we also don't want them to be on the general election ballot. So we love democracy except for the debates, the primaries, and the election. That's a weird case to bring to people. But it's one that they continue to bring over and over again. And I I will say it's infuriating to listen to the coverage. And I know you might be like, I don't listen to it, Stu. You're an idiot. Stop listening to it. And I understand that. But I do feel that part of my job here is to listen to their nonsense so I can bring it to you. You know what other people around you who are other votes that might cancel your vote out, what are they hearing? How do you help them work through these issues? I think that's really, really important. So I I listen to this nonsense and I try to boil it down for you on a daily basis. We'll continue, of course, uh, to do that here. One of the most frustrating things that I keep hearing is they're talking about this democracy thing as if it's obvious, it's cut and dried. You know, Donald Trump hates democracy, therefore he has to not be on the ballot. And never do they even bring up the fact that like a real hole in your love of democracy is not having an opponent for people to vote for uh, when they, if they don't like you. Like, hey, we really love democracy and the way we wanna express that democracy is one candidate on the ballot. Like, is there anybody who's going to bring this up even to discuss in the mainstream media? Give me hey, well, look, I know it sounds weird to say that we love democracy so much that we only want one candidate on the ballot. But you have to understand X, Y and Z. They don't even attempt that. They just act as if no one notices the hypocrisy of this moment. And the hypocrisy is thick. I mean, it is there. They are laying it on thick in a big, big way. Now, there's a couple things that we're doing for uh, the election as we get 
uh, come closer. I, I mentioned the Chris Christie commercial. That's just fun. I mean, we're just having some fun with Chris Christie, but you can check that out at youtube.com slash America. We posted it today. We're going to have more of this stuff coming to you uh, in the future. And secondarily, um, which is kind of fun, um, we are doing a secondary bonus podcast. It's called State of the Race. I mentioned it a little bit. Our first uh, episode uh, was released today. It's going to be in the mornings for you to kind of like check out what all the stuff that's going on with all the different candidates, all the different races. What do you need to know? What's the latest that has happened? What are candidates struggling with? Where are they excelling? Which states are which? What does the Senate look like? What does the House look like? What does the governor race look like in your state? All that's going to be covered here over the next year for, you know, as long as we can take doing the extra pod. But I do think it's important to bring this to you and it's important to get it to you early. I mean, our show, obviously, we will still cover this. We'll give you all the analysis that you want here on Sudos America. But, you know, it, that's going to happen really about stuff that happens during the day. This is going to give you kind of an overnight look at everything that's going on as you start your mornings. It's called State of the Race and it's available to you for free. Uh, just go to the podcast feed. It's only available on audio right now, though. So if you're on YouTube, you're not going to get it every day. You got to go to the podcast feed and subscribe. So you can get that on a daily basis. It's uh, Stu Does America on whatever podcast platform you're on. You'll get that right in the feed. And then, of course, the show will also be there as well as here on uh, Blaze TV and YouTube.com slash Stu Does America. If you would like to get a Blaze TV subscription, I can't recommend it highly enough. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. The promo code is Stu. We'll be back with Pat Gray here in just a second. You know, I saw some research about the audience of the show, and they found that it's one of the wealthiest audiences in conservative media. You evil rich people. I can't believe what you're doing out there. I'm very disappointed in you. Why aren't you sharing your wealth? Why aren't you giving it all to the government? Well, maybe you don't want to protect it from the government. Maybe you want to make sure it grows in a fashion that's consistent with your values. Constitution wealth is the patriot's choice in wealth management. Do you avoid shopping at businesses that you don't like? Have you made a decision like that with Target or Bud Light or something like that? It can be difficult to do, but of course you very well might be doing it. Why? Well, um, it's important to you, right, to be consistent in your values and where you put your money. So why invest your retirement funds in those same businesses when you could be aligning your investment money with your values? This is why you want to check out Constitution Wealth. They can help you build a solid investment plan because you still have to retire someday. What are you going to do? Uh, would you like to retire but avoid your investments going to ESG or DEI uh, funds? I know I would. Um, would you like to reduce your investments in things you might oppose? Pornography, abortion, anti-family policies, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, you can reduce your investments in woke corporations. And in so doing, you can help to fight the culture war with your most powerful weapon, your money. This is your opportunity to help build the parallel economy by working with an investment firm comprised of professionals who are patriots just like you. Work with an advisor who shares your conservative patriotic values. Why wouldn't you? Go to constitutionwealth.com slash stew. Constitutionwealth.com slash stew. Sign up for a free consultation today. It's constitutionwealth.com slash stew. I'm joined now by Pat Gray. He is the host of Pat Gray Unleashed, a show you may know right here on Blaze TV. Pat, thanks so much for coming on. No, thank you, mm. Stu. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. By the way, uh, more on trivia 
coming mm -hmm. back on your program this week. And I believe you're going to be a part of that. I'm very excited about this. Yeah. Uh, Friday morning. Friday so morning. Check that out. Um, mm -hmm. Do we know what game is going to be played we on the uh, To be decided. Okay. So coming soon, we'll have that information, but uh, make sure to join us on Packer Unleashed on Friday uh, morning. Pat, uh, we were just talking about the election, mm -hmm. and I, I find it to be such a bizarre time to be talking about this. I mean, you've doing the, been doing this for a long time. Even when you were doing morning radio, you talked about the election. Yeah. Have you? Do you ever remember a primary season like this? This is bizarre. No, it's crazy. It's, it's unbelievable. I, I've been stunned uh, that no one, but especially Ron DeSantis, has gotten any traction against mm. Donald Trump. I mean... Trump's obviously a great candidate. He's, you know, he's been president of the United States. But, geez, Ron DeSantis has a pretty good story to tell, you know? And I thought it was going to be a pretty tough race between the two of them. But, man, it's not even, it's not even an, uh, a competition. Is that how you feel about it? Do you feel like it's, a, it's one of these things that we've had this big, like, year-long buildup to this competitive primary, but the whole time we actually didn't have one? Yes. Yeah, it feels a lot like the Orange Bowl. Uh, you know, Georgia 63, Florida State 3. That's what it feels like. Uh, and I just didn't expect it. I thought DeSantis was going to be a formidable candidate for Trump. But I mean, look, he no. has a great resume. Yeah, he does. Um, I think people don't particularly find him endearing personally. But like, yeah. I mean, maybe I could see. I don't know. I mean, I... Seems fine to me, but some people may, may see it that way. Yeah. How, what do you make this up? Is, is it one of those things where I think the... A lot of people are saying, well, Ron DeSantis isn't running a good campaign. That's why he's not winning. But I keep coming back to this. Like, is there a campaign that could be run against Donald Trump in this party, so. in this environment that I, would win? I, it doesn't seem like it. It really doesn't. I mean, the only person who's gotten any traction at all, and it's not, you know, impressive traction, is Nikki Haley. And she sucks. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so Haley's interesting in that. You could make the argument she's in second place in this primary, not you could. third, right? Like she yeah. is. Well, I think 538 has the average uh, that she is number two. They, okay, in, in what the national polls? Yeah. But I mean, even in the state polls, like where she is not doing much of anything in Iowa, although she's close to DeSantis in Iowa. Yeah. But she is in some polls very close to Trump, even in New Hampshire. And if she wins New Hampshire, she's got South Carolina next. You can at least see a path where she could make yeah. an impact here. Yeah. But like when I look at it, even if you think of her in second place, it feels like Ron DeSantis still has a better chance of winning mm -hmm. because I just don't see any Trump supporters who are like, you know what? I could deal with Nikki Haley. I do see Trump supporters who say, you know what, it comes down to it, I can deal with Ron DeSantis. I like him, you yeah. know, I like Trump better, but I can deal with with DeSantis. I don't see like I don't feel like they're like that with Haley. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, you know, she's not a super conservative. Um, she's really establishment. She's uh, a, to me a warmonger. Um, she's soft on issues like abortion. She's equivocating on the border. I mean, it's. Uh, not a good option. I, I'd rather see Vivek, mm. uh, you know, get some traction and and do well. There is a well-spoken guy who has conservative values. I mean, I, I don't know of an issue where we differ except maybe uh, the estate tax. He 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 likes the death tax for some reason. I don't know where that came really? from. Really, I don't know why. I hadn't heard that. Yeah. He's, That's he's an advocate for the death tax. It's a weird stance. Because he thinks you need to make your own money, like your dad can't pass it down to you or shouldn't be able to. I, 
I oh. guess that's the. Well, then why am I working? I don't understand. I, yeah, like, I, I don't know. You know. <laughs> I don't um, know. That's a fascinating one. I mean, it's a, a somewhat minor issue, so maybe you could forgive that uh, with Vivek. Yeah. Now, Vivek, of course, has been on your show many times. Oh, uh, he keeps uh, coming except on. for not. Except, yeah. No, not at no, all. No, not at all. Um, you do, I mean, you've been positive about him yeah, from the I beginning. Yeah, I still am. Yeah, so wh- wh- yeah. why hasn't he caught on? Like, I mean, if, if I were to give you, like, before this all started out and say, hey, We've got a guy, he's not some boring white guy, he's very well spoken, mm-hmm. he's talking a lot, a lot about issues that are important to the base. Mm-hmm. Why is he at 6% in this primary? So a great question, and I don't necessarily know the answer for sure, although the impression I get is that he's too well spoken and people think <laughs> he's robotic. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand, wait, he's too smart and he's He's too good of a communicator. He doesn't use the word um ever. Mm-hmm. I've never heard it. I don't think I have heard it even once. And I've, I've been paying attention for a while to, to hear him say, uh, and uh, <laughs> he never does. Never. So I mean, weird. he's amazing. And <laughs> he gets on his feet. And then I get calls from people who say, no, oh, that just means he's too prepared. Wait. OK, so it's a bad thing to be prepared for an interview. I. I guess they think he's mechanical. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, and maybe it's the last name. Maybe it's just too weird for people. Maybe. I, I wonder, too, let me throw this theory by you on Vivek, and that, like, he, it struck me when he was in one of the debates, and they asked him, um, uh, it was about a question about Donald Trump, and he said, Donald Trump is the best president that has existed in my lifetime. Yeah. And, and you know, my first thought to that was like, well, why are you running then? Like, I he's know. in this primary. He's in the primary you're in. Like, <laughs> yeah. you're both together in the same race. If he's the best, why run against him? And I wonder if, if it's possible that just the people who like Vivek are already liking Trump more. Right? There are, mm-hmm. there, if Trump's in the race, they're going to stay with him. Now, if Trump drops out for some reason, if he, they throw him in prison in the gulag somewhere, maybe they'd, they'd go to Vivek. I mean, if Trump yeah. dropped out today, I think Vivek might be the main beneficiary of that. He might. Um, he's not going to uh, drop out. But is it potentially that? There's like He's almost running Possibly. an identical campaign to Trump at some level. Yeah, except he's got some differences like... Um Trump just talked about don't move the FBI, uh, leave them in the same beautiful building they're in or whatever his comment was on on Truth Social. Vivek wants to end the FBI. He wants to dismantle it. He he doesn't think we need it. He believes it was uh, uh, corrupt from the beginning. And, you know, he's got some points there. He also wants to end the Department of Education. I mean, he'd do some some pretty bold things. And this is, maybe goes back to the root of this conversation, which is, like, Trump came out and said that thing about the FBI. I saw no, no Trump supporters who seemingly have hated the FBI for a long time because of what mm-hmm. they've done to Donald Trump. Yeah. I saw no one criticizing him over that. And <laughs> they it's like, don't. In that environment, how do you win? How do you beat a candidate that it doesn't matter if they make mistakes or say things that disagree with the base? They never lose a vote. What do you do? Right. I that's that's the issue. I think that everybody faces when Trump runs. They faced it in 2016 and they're facing it again. Hmm. It doesn't matter what he does or says. (laughs) It's not wrong. To his supporters, it's fine. It's, it's fine. It's really amazing. Yeah. And now, when we get into the general election, I think you know there's going to be a then lot. That's going to be an people, issue. Whoever is the nominee. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I think the stuff he says is going to become an issue. The media is yeah. going to focus on it. 
Uh, at the same time, I think most Republicans are like anybody but what we have now with Biden. Yeah. And a lot of this goes to, I think, maybe one of the biggest issues is the border. The border, mm. I mean, Pat, I've known you for a long time. You've always been a border hawk. You've always been mm-hmm. someone who's talked about the seriousness of this and millions of illegal immigrants coming in with the problems that it creates. But, like, we've never seen a time like this. This is no. worse than it has ever been. Yeah. Wasn't it 302,000 in December? Yeah. And the month before that broke a record. And so every month breaks a new record. This month may not because everybody's here now. So <laughs> I don't know. It's actually empty. Like uh, yeah. Guatemala is actually empty yeah, now. Completely There's empty. no one left. And uh, <laughs> it's staggering what's going on. And uh, we just played this morning on on. Pat Gray unleashed um, an interview with an Iranian uh, who had sneaked across the border and they asked him his path. And so he drove to Turkey, flew to Mexico, walked across the border and he was warning us about, hey, you know, this isn't a good idea. Like, I'm glad I'm here, but there's a whole bunch of people coming after me and that have come before me that don't have good intent for the United States of America. And I'm like, Yes, thank you for saying that, because nobody's listening to American citizens saying it. Maybe they'll listen to an Iranian. (laughs) I don't know. What's it going to take to get that through our administration's skull? It's it's going to be a major problem. And when the crap hits the fan, they're going to be sorry. Was it another situation where they came across and just asked for asylum? Was it another one of these things? Yeah. I mean, like, how can anyone take that seriously? You could have asked for asylum in Turkey. Right. You could have asked for asylum in Mexico. Right. And instead you come here. Yeah. I mean, that's not real asylum. And I don't I don't even know that that's necessary anymore, that you need to claim asylum. They're just it's all the all the all come free. Just come on over. We're we're not going to we're not going to impede your path. In fact, we're going to going to make your path easier because we're going to cut up the barbed wire that's keeping you out. It's incredible what's going on. And you see people just streaming through these border areas by the thousands. We just had the train load of 15,000, was it? The poverty train or whatever they're calling that. 15,000 at a time. It's, you know, it's something we could do something about. And they just won't. Yeah, I mean, with 60 Republicans went down to the border the other day, and they had the in the video you've seen a million times with, you know, we showed it on the show where there's people stream, you know, streaming across the border, like seemingly no stop in sight. Mm-hmm. And then you zoom in in the background and you see the set where the 60 Republicans are giving speeches. They're right there next <laughs> yeah. to, they don't even care. They're just right. walking across right next to all of this. Right. And like you wonder, so let's go number one. Is there a way that this can be stopped in our current political reality? Like, obviously, mm. let's say uh, all the best Republicans got all the leadership positions. Sure, there's a way to stop this, right? Like, right. you just have a border rule. But there's yeah. no but path in sight, now, seemingly, to this being cured right now. There's no will. They, they don't have the will to stop it. They, they pay lip service to it every once in a while, but not even they don't even do that much anymore. Uh, you remember Kamala Harris last year or the year before saying, don't come. Yeah, I don't remember that. Come. Like, really, she, she didn't mean it. Right. <laughs> and everybody knew she didn't mean it. So it had the opposite effect. They came anyway, and they came in greater numbers. So without the will to do anything about it, and in fact, they're trying to sue people who are doing things about it, like Texas, uh, and going after um, Governor Abbott. No, it, it, until there's change of leadership, this isn't going to get any better. It's going to get worse. And, and speaking of changing leadership, is this the type of issue that's big enough to the typical voter 
is it, has it risen to that level finally? Mm. With 300,000 in a month, mm-hmm. is it to the level where the average person cares? I mean, the polling for Biden on this issue is catastrophic. I mean, yeah, it's, it, it's bad. as bad as any issue that he faces, if not worse. Is this yeah. enough to, to take those independent voters and say, this guy's just not doing anything about this? I doubt it. I doubt it. Because most Americans in the, in the middle of the country aren't as affected. I mean, mm-hmm. they think, oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's bad. You know, maybe somebody should do something. But do they really have passionate about it? Are they passionate? I don't, I don't see it. I don't think so. I mean, they're passionate where the problem is really bad. And thankfully, uh, the mayor of New York has gotten passionate yeah. about it because he sees what's going on now, uh, thanks to Greg Abbott. But I, I don't know that middle America is. Gosh, I mean, it just seems like if, if there's ever going to be a time that this, this issue that was going to rise, this, this would be it. Yep. I guess we will see. Uh, Pat Gray, don't miss Pat Gray, Unleashed right here on Blaze TV. Uh, it's blazetv.com slash stew. Promo code is stew if you want to sign up and get the Pat Gray Unleashed show every single day. And, of course, you can get it on YouTube as well. Pat, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Well, I hope for your own sake you avoided Bitcoin and listened to all the critics because uh, if, if you kept holding through uh, all that stuff that went on over the past years, you are screwed. Um, uh, no, actually, I'm totally telling you the opposite. Bitcoin is uh, surging once again up to 47,000 today. Uh, it is up 140% or something over the past year. After everyone told you it was dead yet again for the five millionth time. Um, so really, at this point, uh, it's just a joke. Um, but a very bizarre thing happened. Now, this goes back to kind of the beginning of Bitcoin. Satoshi Nakamoto, who started this, it was either a person or a series of people. No one even knows uh, who this person is. They have an account of Bitcoin that has about a million Bitcoin in it. Um, And this is back when, you know, this was started back when like Bitcoin cost nothing. It was not a lot of money. But of course, it's grown into a million Bitcoin. Now you'd be one of the richest people in the world. Uh, But there's never been any movement in this account. It has been basically stagnant for the entire time. A lot of people think Satoshi, whoever he was, is dead. Um, You know, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But that's what a lot of people believe. So no money has been moved out of this account. If it were to be moved out of this account, like, for example, it was spent or sold, people would freak out. It would be a massive, massive story and would change the price of Bitcoin in a major way. Um, But occasionally people will just send money to this account, kind of like a, a little, you know, I don't know, a little uh, hat tip to, uh, to your friend Satoshi. Thanks for creating this. You get a few bucks here, just almost like a statement. They'll put little phrases in the, you know, in the transaction. Well, nothing like this has ever happened, though. Someone sent $1.2 million to Satoshi, who very well might be dead. Again, this is basically serves the purpose of lighting your money on fire. It burns the currency seemingly that it can never be used. I guess that slightly benefits the rest of the community. But I wish I had $1.2 million laying around to just make a nice little statement. I'm going to work on that. And if I get there, I will let you know. A couple of other just crazy stories that have happened over the weekend. Alaska Airlines has canceled hundreds of flights after a midair door plug blowout. Now, this is that's, you know, the uh, 
the 737 MAX 9, which is, you know, already had all sorts of safety issues. You remember this from a few years back. Alaska Airlines has them. Now, there's an option on these planes that you can put an extra door in. Like if you're an economy carrier, you want to jam as many doors in there, you might need extra exit, uh, emergency exit doors. So they have that option. Alaska Air did not take that option. Instead, they put in a a plug to basically plug up where the door would be. And that's where the issue happened. They were at like 16,000 feet. They're on their way up. Luckily, because they hadn't hit the point where people took off their seatbelts yet. So people didn't just weren't just walking around right by this door when it opens. And secondarily, no one was sitting in the row right by uh, the uh, the issue. Um, so no one was sucked out of the plane. I mean, it's a miracle that this happened. Um, and if you look at this, you might think, well, is it that big of a deal? This is what it looks like from the outside. It just looks like the door's kind of missing. They've obviously put plastic on it since. But from the inside, look how violent this looks. I mean, you can see this was just ripped off. Can you imagine how terrified you would be? There was actually one kid on board uh, who had a T-shirt on. It ripped the T-shirt out the hole. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine what you'd be doing? you imagine the panic you'd feel if this was going on? Incredible. Uh, and let me give you let me give you one more here. Um, the Biden administration wants to tear down yet another statue. Now, we were told this is only Confederates. No big deal. They're going to take down these Confederates uh, statues. We all know those are bad people. True. OK, fine. Well, now William Penn, he's coming down, making the historic park more welcoming and inclusive. William Penn is a problem now. Now, look. That's one William Penn statue. If you're going to take down a William Penn statue, there is one on the top of City Hall that is very famous in Philly. If you look at it from this particular angle, it looks like he's got something else going on. Like that's not as if you look at it from the other side, it's his hand. But from the side, it looks like maybe uh, he didn't button up uh, after doing his thing. And I will say when it's raining, it looks like the water's just flowing right off of this thing. There's a rumor that whoever designed the statue didn't get his, uh, the correct payment and decided to screw the city. I mean, look, we've already had to suffer through the Eagles performance. If you're going to tear down a statue, you'd think they'd start with that one. But no, let's just destroy William Penn and every other person who's ever done anything positive for this country. Apparently the Golden Globes were last night, I guess. And also the they had some, uh, I guess the Creative Arts Emmys happened as well. I'll give you a couple of uh, highlights, only a couple. The good and the bad. First of all, Weird Al and Tim Robinson uh, both won big at the Creative Arts Emmys. Both deserved uh, in a big way. Of course, Weird Al, one of the greatest Americans that has ever lived. Uh, and of course, on the opposite side of this, the bad side, Barack Obama won a Creative Arts Emmy for his narration, because certainly if he wasn't Barack Obama, his narration is so good that it would win him an arts Emmy. I mean, look, come on. Can we be honest about this? If you like, if you just like his politics, you want to give him awards, just say that. Just create the BS award uh, for for uh, political achievement and hand it to whoever you like their tax policy most instead of acting like he's actually good at narrating. Give me a break. But there you go. Your awards update.
We gave you the important story last week about the guy who just walked into Bass Pro Shop and took the fish. We have the video. Uh, remember this guy just went in, got a, just got a net and took the fish, a giant fish out in the net, brought it home. God only knows what he did with it. Um, who knows? It could be, it, there's a lot of stories you can go down. Well, there's a, now another incident at Bass Pro Shop. This is, I mean, it's actually a sad story. Here's a guy who gets naked and decides to jump in the pool. He jumped in there. Water is all coming out. Uh, the police are walking up the stairs to see what's going on. You see him kind of just jump in there. We're blurring this because he's naked. Uh, he kind of floats around and and uh, and then he it really gets ugly. He kind of flops out and lands on a rock, and then just slides depressingly around on the floor. Apparently he got he ran to a pole intentionally in the parking lot before coming in, had his family inside the vehicle, went in and did that and then left us with this visual of just uh, I don't, there's something depressing and almost artistic about this poor dude just laid out on the floor naked as he sits below the Bass Pro pool. Anyway, I think this is just an elaborate uh, promotional scam for Bass Pro shops. That's just that's my theory. It proved me wrong.